We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Beamish and Finley, 106.7 The Fan, coming to you live from Indianapolis, Indiana. NFL scouting combine off and running. A number of coaches and general managers are talking. Apparently Joe Douglas says... The Jets have met with Derek Carr, and they plan to meet again with him here in Indianapolis. One team that doesn't seem at all interested in meeting with Derek Carr are the Washington Commanders. Helping us talk about the Washington Commanders, we're going to welcome in our friend Mr. Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington, the Washington Football Talk podcast. Pete, obviously major, major news this morning dropping with this ESPN story. What was your first reaction when you saw, read it? Obviously, it's a long story, so there's a lot to distill. Yes, I, I think my first reaction was uh, there was some momentary panic the past few days that maybe Dan would end up keeping the team with some of the other reports that were coming out. But this one just further uh, solidified it in my mind that he won't be able to. And I just think there's so many paths where he's forced to sell the team. And this story seems to paint a picture that he's struggling big time financial wise, that he's further pissed off other owners. So he sells if he's broke. He sells if the owners vote him out sells if this Mary Jo White investigation comes out and paints him in a further awful light. He sells if Bezos comes in with a big offer. Like, there's just so many ways for him to sell. And this story, I think, uh, can, can ease the concerns of those who thought for the past few days that, wait, wait, this guy might keep it. I just don't think he can. Oh, he get voted out and then they sell it to Bezos at a price that he didn't think. Right. It, it's Like, for Dan, I know we've all looked at Dan as an unbeatable bulletproof guy but man he would have to survive so much and he has survived so much through years and years but the past two or three years the stuff has really piled up and if jerry jones is attempting to broker a peace deal and now the fbi is involved like there's just some every villain i think can be defeated at some point and dan seems to be meeting his match and there's so much against him and he is so hated and he's wanted by so many different entities and now it seems like the owners again are turning against him he just has no friends left it, it really is stunning to watch it all unfold and I, i've kind of thought for a while that something occurred like some incident must have happened and changed things and now the espn report with the 55 million dollar secret loan to me appears to be what changed what happened and I, I'm curious if you agree with that premise, that, that that was the change, especially if you look at the the extreme coincidence of the DOJ investigation getting announced and the sale getting announced on the same day. And now you're looking for indemnity. Like, what do you need indemnity for? Oh, never mind. Here's a giant thing you need indemnity for. How much do you think it impacts the football operations? Yeah, I think you've been pretty clear that it does impact the football operations. And you can look at the breadcrumbs in the past and sort of what we're talking about in the near future and come to the conclusion that it does. I mean, this team, JP, you tweeted about Sam Howell and Deron Payne. I think even beyond that, just the, the state of the franchise's practice facility, they have a turf field 
there that hasn't been used in years and they haven't been able to rip it up because it costs like a couple million bucks to do so, I'd imagine, and talking to some folks around there just on what it would cost. And they aren't able to do that. That's cash flow. I mean, this team's guys come to this facility and their colleges, what they worked out in, were way better than anything that uh, the commanders have out there in Ashburn. So I think it affects everything. But, yes, it does affect football, which is why it's probably appealing to go with Sam Howell, who's going to make fewer than a million bucks. Why franchise tagging Deron Payne and maybe trading him so they don't have to sign a long-term deal is the way to go. So um, in terms of what changed, yes, I think that's true. Um, the, the, the coincidences are too much. And also when one story uh, about Dan wanting indemnification comes out right before the ESPN story, that also is not a coincidence. I'm sure Dan's people were approached for comment about this Don Van Nata story for weeks, and they had a feeling, okay, this is going to drop here in late February. Let's, uh, let's have some other stuff leak right before to try and counteract the narrative and get in the way of some things. So I think Dan's people are doing their best to fight on his behalf, but um, with the Post and with ESPN and with government bodies and all this, there's just there's too many people with their uh, weapons trained back at them. Like, like uh, the, they, they franchise tag Deron Payne, and that's basically what $19 million has to go into uh, escrow, right, JP? Yep. If they were to get a long-term deal... That's probably what forty five, fifty, sixty million dollars get through an escrow. You think it's any possibility a long term deal gets signed this year? Either one of you. No. Yeah, I don't think so. I think from a this is if this was just a normal off season, I'd have a really tough time answering this from a football perspective because obviously Deron Payne helped elevate this defensive line and allowed it to like capture its potential finally. When he played at a Pro Bowl level, him and John Allen together were just insanely good, and it helped Montez sweat off the edge. Like, finally, when the D-line met its, met its hype, it was because Deron Payne took that next step. So keeping him from a football perspective just like that is clearly the right thing to do. However, investing so much in two defensive tackles is so rare. I don't know if any team in the NFL has done it this way, and there's always a way, a new way to build a team, but that would just be so much money to tie into two guys in the middle, especially after you drafted Mathis and you have John Ridgeway, you can try and find another guy in the draft. But on top of that, so I'm basically 50-50 torn on it. I don't think I would want to extend Deron Payne just because it seems like a lot to tie into two guys there. Not if you want to, do you think there's a possibility that it it can happen this year? Right, so I think it's questionable on its own, but now with all this swirling, I don't think there's any way it happens. I think it's a franchise tag, and Ron gets his guy for one more year, or they trade him and they pick up future assets and get that money off the books. But I think uh, it's it's not going to happen. I think that is by far the least likely outcome, and I'm interested to hear what JP thinks about it too. Yeah, I don't think they're getting a deal done. And, and dude, I think you can make an I think you can make an argument for both of their situations where they're choosing not to spend much money uh, at quarterback and at at least with Payne, this is the least amount of spending to keep him around for next year. Uh, you can make – there's a football argument to be made that both are the right choice. They've tried the veteran quarterback situations on terribly. Um, Payne put it all together as contract year. Maybe you want to see him do it again. I, I don't know that I believe that. I think you told a young man, go out, prove it, we'll take care of you. He went out and proved it, and I think that creates kind of a bad precedent when then you don't take care of the player. But um, – I think there is a football argument to make both those decisions. I, I don't see something happening there, frankly. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but with the ownership situation looming over everything, I just don't think any major deals are happening. Anything north of 
I, I bet they don't sign any player north of the pain deal, and they're only mm-hmm. doing the pain deal because they can tag him. Yeah, and I don't feel bad for Dude, Ron Rivera. I, I won't be Austin. stunned if there's not a single $10 million signing this offseason. Right, and, and Ron is a long, successful NFL player. He's been coaching for years. He's got millions of dollars. He's in charge of an NFL team. That's a really cool job. I don't feel bad for him very often, but this is a situation where I feel bad. He's coaching for his life, and he's got all this over his head where he probably can't address the holes that he wants and, and get the guys that he needs to keep his job. So, yes, it is looming over everything, and my God, there's all these holes on the offensive line, and people are thinking, oh, let's go get Orlando Brown and pair him up with Eric Enemy. That's not going to happen. They maybe get Andrew Wiley, the other tackle from the Chiefs, who's going to cost like a tenth of what Orlando Brown costs, or maybe they'll just draft a bunch of people and pay them on their rookie deals. But, yeah, the, the vast roster improvements through free agency that need to happen I don't think will happen, and that's just going to further handicap Ron and make this year just really, really hard for him to succeed. I just think that they they waited too long to start addressing the offensive line. That, that was before Ron even got here. But but ultimately, the fact that they can't do a lot of addressing in the proper way, how do you get to build an offensive line that's going to be something legitimate for Eric Bieniemy to come in and do whatever he's capable of doing? You better be scouting your ass off at the Combine in Indy. You better be mailing your visits, and you just have to do really well in the draft and 16 is a good spot to pick a tackle, it looks like. And then maybe you get your interior help there in the second, third, and fourth rounds at guard and center. Health would also be a great piece of luck for them. I don't think it'd be smart to proceed with Chase Rulia and Tyler Larson at center, but they just need one of those guys to not suffer a catastrophic injury during the year. And both of those guys have suffered two in the past two seasons. So a little bit better health and really doing well in the draft, I think, is the way to go. I mean, they're lucky in that receiver doesn't look like it has to be addressed much. They're okay at running back. Tight end, yes, that would be a spot. Maybe they have to go bargain shopping and get one of the like the C-level free agents, a guy who costs under $10 million to round out that group. But the O-line, if you just want to go heavy, heavy, heavy O-line in the draft, I think that can be the only way you make this offense functional. And that's necessary because as much hope as we have for Sam Howell, that hope is not going to result in much if he's running around like Wentz and Heineke were last year. Steve Mitchell Finley, 1067 The Fan, talking to Pete Haley here on the BetQL guest line. Pete, in an ordinary season, we'll be just talking about the combine. But we have to talk about everything else first. Now we're <laughs> at the combine. Looking at the combine now, what do you think they need to be looking at? What are the positions that are more key for them to be paying attention to? Yeah, to, to veer from the offensive line, which we've covered pretty well already. I think linebacker is a, is a low-key interesting one. It depends on what they want to do with Cole Holcomb. If they believe Holcomb can can sign for a cheap deal, which it sure looks like he should get around three or four million for a year contract, maybe he wants to prove himself after injuring his foot. Then linebacker is in a huge need, but I still think they need to find a athletic, rangy, speedy prospect who can add a little upside to that group because the group of Holcomb, Bostic, Mayo, there's not much upside. Jamin Davis has a lot of himself, but I think there needs to be another guy to develop there. And also cornerback. Um, Benjamin St. Juice showed a lot on the outside and Kendall Fuller had a really good year and he seems to be dependable. He may not be a lockdown guy, but I think his performance is pretty reliable and I think he's going to age pretty well because of how smart he is and maybe he can play in safety, etc. But St. Juice has been injury prone and after Fuller and St. Juice, 
there was nothing there. That's when he started relying on Danny Johnson, Christian Holmes. So finding another premium corner, maybe a guy who can occupy that nickel slot would be good. So O-line is first, second, and third for me. But when you're trying to round out this defense and turn it from a, a top 10, top five unit in a lot of ways and make sure it stays there, maybe, maybe even elevates a little further, I think linebacker and corner are two spots to look at on that day one, if not day two and day three spots. Does corner jump up? Because I know they, they used to play with the – they released him yesterday, played him at uh, at the slot some. Yeah. You're getting another corner, and you have a legitimate person to cover at the slot. I believe that with that release and also the need of another corner, puts that corner even higher. Definitely. I mean, they yeah, you're right about Bobby McCain. They were using him as that slot corner, and they also were having him play a little bit of linebacker, which highlights how both of those places should be addressed. I don't love the idea of putting St. Juice back in the slot. I don't think they'd be foolish enough to do that, but he was not very good there to start the year. And then you bumped him outside once William Jackson fell out of the mix, and he was a really good player. That's when he was battling guys. He was getting his hands on footballs week in and week out. He was really fun to watch there and seemed much more comfortable. And I know Fuller has experience there too, but he doesn't seem to have exactly the agility needed anymore. I think he's better on the outside where he can really read the quarterback's eyes and sit there and try and jump passes like he did against Dak Prescott about 10 different times in the finale. So I think a pure slot corner is definitely among the needs and uh, at least have a guy who's familiar with that spot. So if you want to be interchangeable, you can, but I don't want to put Fuller or St. Juice there full time. I think they're best used on the outside. I go all the way back to 1999, 2000. Chad Lewis was a tight end with Andy Reid. Andy Reid seems to always have those legitimate tight ends around. We saw Eric Bieniemy under the tutelage of uh, Andy Reid. He began to utilize Kelsey a lot. Do they keep just what they have here, or do they look for uh, a more athletic, game-breaking type tight end in this draft or from another team? I think if you wanted the real athletic, game-breaking type who comes from the draft, and it seems like experts are very high on that position this year, it comes down to their evaluation of Logan Thomas and. Ron and the coaches were pretty adamant near the end of last year that Logan was showing more of his true self, that uh, he needed that ACL recovery. I mean, he was on the field, but he wasn't cutting very well. He wasn't getting very open. And they felt like near the end of the year that the tape was being a little more true to who Logan was. So if they actually believe that, and that wasn't just trying to back up a veteran who they respect, then great. They can use Logan. I mean, Logan in 2020 was was not Kelsey level. Nobody is, but he was in that next group of, he had a ton of catches. He was always open over the middle of the field and he was had great hands and he made some crazy touchdown catches if you look at his film from that season. So I think keeping Logan and, and then developing Armani Rogers and that group can be done. It's not on the top of the priority list, but yes, you're right. The enemy's offense really ticks when they have a guy who is uh, scary for opposing defenses. So if Logan is really healthy after another offseason and comes back to OTAs in shape and motivated to prove himself, then great. I think you can maybe draft someone behind him. But if you deem his need to never really be able to get back to what he once was, then that probably does shoot up to that top three list, and maybe that nudges out linebacker, and your top three becomes O-line, tight end, and corner. The legal tampering season is coming up very shortly. You got the owners' meeting coming up. I want you to take that little brain of yours, and, and I want you to think. The next four weeks of Commanders football, what are going to be the top stories? <laughs> My little brain is trying really hard to envision the next month. And 
I think the biggest story is just it's the ownership. And I'd love to be talking about Deron Payne's future and where the draft uh, can really help improve this team and what sort of deals they can work out with outside players. But the ownership with the meetings coming up and it, these stories, there was a bit of a lull there, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the end of the year, we were kind of, all right, season's over. Where's all the Dan stuff? There wasn't any for a little bit. Now they're coming in hot and heavy. Every day, it's yeah. New York Post, it's the Washington Post, it's now ESPN, it's it's front office sports, it's Bezos, it's Snyder, it's financial improprieties. Like, they are piling up, and I'd imagine they're going to get even uh, bigger, and then when the owners get together, the microphones will be in their faces, and they'll be asking them questions, and they'll be dealing with it. So I think it's going to be all ownership stuff, and there's going to be fans who want to listen to you Make guys sure talk you about the draft talk to and trade. Yeah, go talk to Ursay. Go talk to Jerry Jones. Maybe give Ursay a cigarette and a beer. Let him like get moved up. Um, but yeah, Brian, I don't think I'm going on a limb there when I say it's it's Dan leads the way by far. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Pete, we appreciate you giving us some time, man. Take care of yourself. And I see, did you drop the underscore? Uh, I haven't dropped. Oh no, underscores on uh, Instagram. No oh, okay. underscore on Twitter. Okay, yeah, I'll I, just I two check different names. Here. Just second. <laughs> Just Thanks check it. Caring, Make Brian. sure you let good... him strong arm you there. <laughs> Have a good rest of the show, pal. All right, that's Pete Ellie joining us here on the BetQL guest line. We're going to take a quick break here. We get back. There are a lot more of those Van Nata clips, and we're going to make sure we uh, let you hear them all. I know we want to all talk about just football, 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 but you can't when you cover the commanders. We'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 